Well, Merry Christmas once again, and uh, it's so good uh, to see everyone. Again, we're so honored that you would come and spend this evening with us as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, as we celebrate Christmas. And it is a celebration of a birthday. It's actually a pretty easy birthday to celebrate when you think about it, but maybe you've also noticed when a birthday is personal, maybe like your birthday, Sometimes the celebration is a little bit mixed, and that's especially true as you get older, right? You, you enjoy being celebrated, but you're not always so sure you're enjoying the reason why you're being celebrated, which is getting another year older. And, and that's why, actually, uh, sometimes some people will lie about their age. I don't know why people would do that. I mean, actually, I, I had a birthday two weeks ago, and I don't mind at all telling you that I just celebrated the big one, 30, <laughs> times two, plus two. <laughs> I did hear about a little girl who visited her grandmother on her birthday, and she asked her grandmother how old she was, and Grandma said, well, sweetheart, when you're my age, you don't tell people how old you are, and the little girl decided a few minutes later to sneak up into grandmother's bedroom and started going through grandmother's purse just so she could find her driver's license and see for herself, and grandma figured out what was going on, so she went up the stairs and caught her red-handed, and she said, what are you doing? And the little girl said, well, grandma, I'm looking for your driver's license so I can, I, I can find out how old you are. The grandmother said, okay, what does it say? Little girl looks at the license and starts kind of counting in her head and she says, Grandma, you're 76 years old. And Grandma said, sweetheart, that's right, I'm 76. And then the little girl looked down at the license again and said, and Grandma, I'm not gonna tell anybody, but it also says you made an F in sex. Well, sometimes kids don't understand some important things, and sometimes adults don't either. Sometimes important things like Christmas. I think all of us have experienced kind of getting mixed up about what Christmas is really about. Sometimes we end up thinking it's about decorations and food and, and family and, and presents. But before we light our candles, I wanna talk to you in the simplest way I know how about what Christmas really is all about, about the true meaning of Christmas. And if you have been with us here at Southwinds over this last month, you know that we have been uh, together studying Luke's account of the first Christmas, learning together uh, how we can experience joy in our world, how Christmas brings that to us. And if you were here this past Sunday, you would have uh, heard that we talked about the angels. Well, tonight I wanna zoom in even closer on the angels' message to the shepherds, I wanna focus on just one verse, Luke 2, 11. This verse is at the heart of the angel's message to the shepherds. And you could say that these are the 12 words of Christmas. How many of you have heard of the 12 days of Christmas? A lot of you probably have, right? Well, in many ways, if you understand these 12 words and what they mean, you will understand the heart of Christmas. Here they are, unto you, a savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. 
Now, I know some of you probably are looking at your Bible and you've already counted the words in verse 11 and you've said, hey, hey, there's more than 12 words here. Can't Pastor Mike count now that he's getting older and stuff, you know? Well, there actually are exactly 12 words in the Greek text. And if you don't believe me, I want to put them up here. You can read them for yourself. Um, 12 words of Christmas. And what we're going to do for the next few moments is pick out just three of these words to look at more closely. And it's going to be kind of like opening a Christmas present because each one uh, of these three words contains a big surprise. So let's unwrap them together. The first word I want to look at is the word you. You. Unto you a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. Well, unto who? Who is this addressed to? A couple of verses earlier, verse 8, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So the you is shepherds. Unto you shepherds. What does this mean? We tend today maybe to think of shepherds as kind of clean, cuddly, cute, you know, like precious moment shepherds. That's maybe the picture we have. But back in that day, it was nothing like that. In that culture, shepherds were universally despised. In fact, the only people lower in status were lepers. Shepherds were socially outcast. I mean, pretty much everyone looked down on them. They were legally disqualified. They were not even allowed to uh, testify in court cases because they were all considered to be dishonest liars. They were religiously unclean, so they were not allowed ever to participate in the worship at the temple. People everywhere just despised them. And I was trying to think this week, how do I translate this into our culture? What do I compare it to? Because, you know, if I name a profession, I'm probably gonna offend somebody, but I thought I have to give it a shot. So, Let's see if you could imagine it like this. Imagine this verse said, and there we're out in the same country, telemarketers working the night shift. Does that kind of give you a little bit of the idea? Or here's another one. They were out in the same country, IRS agents planning an audit. Are you tracking kind of with me right now? I, I, I thought about it. It could be something like God sending the angels to make the announcement to a Raiders fan. Maybe that would communicate with some of you. You get what I'm saying here. But the point is very, very important. God chooses shepherds to be the first people to hear the good news of Christmas. And having started his life in this way, Jesus goes on to carry out his ministry, to live his life, finding his way to the outcasts of society. Maybe you remember the story of the the woman at the well. It's in John chapter four. The woman who had been married five times and she wasn't even married to the guy that she was living with and that was why she was coming to the well at high noon, the hottest time of the day to draw water. She was hoping that no one would be there. No one was there except for Jesus. Jesus who makes this social outcast the very first evangelist in Christian history. And then there was Zacchaeus, the tax collector, viewed by his people as a, a traitor because he was a, a collaborator with the oppressing Romans. He, he, he goes when Jesus comes one day and he hides up in a sycamore tree, probably because he's afraid of the crowd, what they might do to him because they hated him so much. And Jesus stops and looks up in the tree and he says, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner tonight at your house. The guy that 
no one else loves. And then what about the woman caught in the very act of adultery, brought to the feet of Jesus by these religious leaders, all of them judging her, all of them condemning her, and Jesus says, I do not condemn you, go and sin no more. Jesus sets this woman free. And how about you? You're here tonight and some of you are are conscious of the mistakes that you have made. Maybe you have been trying to hide them. Maybe no one else but you right now knows. Maybe you are here and you are filled with shame over actions you have taken, words you have spoken. Maybe, Maybe the overarching feeling you have tonight is how unworthy you are. See, the point that is being made in God coming to the shepherds is that God comes for you. God comes and he finds you. He says, unto you, a savior has been born. Unto you, and I'm just telling you, if you will hear this word and you will take this word personally, it will change your life. This word is telling us something so vital. It's telling us that no one has to be rich enough. No one has to be attractive enough. No one has to be smart enough. No one has to be strong enough. No one has to be good enough. Not with Jesus. Because unto you, today, a savior has been born. A a savior. And that's actually the second word that I would like to unwrap tonight. Savior, unto you a savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. And this raises the question, why do we need a savior? A lot of people in our culture today would say, well, we can just save ourselves, right? And the Bible's answer to that is no. Why? Well, the Bible says that all of us are sinners. Romans 3.23 says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible's witness is that on top of that, we don't even want to get right with God and see ourselves saved naturally. Romans 3, verses 10 through 12 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. There is no one who does good, not even one. In the letter of the Ephesians, Paul says the reason for this is that we are, apart from Christ, all of us, we are dead in our sin. Ephesians 2 says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So apart from God, we're all enslaved to sin and all enslaved to doing life our own way. We are all naturally rebels against God. We are all naturally just flows out of us living under the judgment of God, God's just wrath against our sin. And here's the thing. I think deep down we all know this. Let me put it this way, just out of curiosity, did anyone here like sin at all during this past year? Anyone? You know, when you go to church, they say confession is good for the soul. So why don't we do a hand raise on this, okay? I'll ask it like this. Anybody sin at least one time in this past year? Or if you didn't, the person next to you looks like they went down a couple of times. Go ahead and raise your hand, right? So what do you do? What do you do with the guilt? What do you do with the shame? What do you do with the regret? 
with the pain of all those things that you've done that you can never take back. That darkness that is inside you. I don't know if you know this or not, some of you do, but we have a lot of peace officers, first responders here at, at Southwinds Police and Fire and, and Sheriff and CHP, Homeland Security, people who work in, in prisons. We have a, what we call our ERT team, our emergency response team, and it's about 30 men and women, all of them first responders, and they're in every service. Some of you are here right now, and they are always here when we gather. They're watching out uh, for all of us, kind of standing guard and protecting, like, you know, keeping us safe, helping us stay safe, and one time I asked one of these guys, I said, I have a question. I, you know, I said, I'm your pastor, and I was just wondering, I don't know, I, I wanted to ask you, like, if you ever, like, caught me speeding, would you give me a ticket? I had baptized this guy, by the way. <laughs> he said, Pastor Mike, I would give my wife a ticket. I said, well, I, I know your wife. I understand that. Um, <laughs> but I want to know, you wouldn't give me a ticket, would you? Not gonna hire him. So. <laughs> you know, we take officers of justice very, very seriously in our culture, and we really should. People that carry a weapon, people that wear a uniform, people that, that hold a badge. But what we don't have are officers of grace. You will not be pulled over by someone in the uniform tomorrow and, and have them say to you, you are hereby forgiven. You are now absolved of all of your selfishness and of all the greed, of, of all that bitter anger that just leaks out of you and wounds people, of all that self-righteousness and pride and arrogance, that, that gossip that stabs, that lust that rips the heart out of people you love, that small-minded selfishness that refuses to serve, the, the pettiness, the cowardice, the, the darkness that we all have inside us. And it all just reminds us, and Christmas is about this, we need someone to come from outside to help us. We need someone to forgive us, someone to, to set us free. We need a savior. And that is the story of Christmas we have a savior. Jesus has been born. Jesus is here and he has come to us to take us from darkness to light. He's come to take us from death to life. Now, when we today hear the word savior, we, we think, because we've read the Bible, we've read the gospels, we know about Jesus, we think about how Jesus came to save us from sin and we actually talked about this too this past Sunday but I wanna let you know this but back then they heard the word differently. They heard this word savior and when they heard it they thought of a warrior. They thought of a, of a, of a ruling military hero. They didn't think of a redeemer on a cross. I'm gonna show you a picture. This is a statue of Caesar Augustus and do you know back then they called Caesar the, the savior of the world? 
It's what everyone in the Roman Empire was conditioned to think, that this man, this powerful man, I mean, look at the armor. He's got the, the bronze breastplate. He's wearing the silk toga. He's wealthy. He's a military, and he's a political hero. And this is what Roman people thought when they, they heard this word Savior. And it's also what the Jewish people thought because they wanted to be set free from the oppression of the Romans. And so when they prayed for a Messiah to come to break their chains, they were thinking they would get someone like this. They, they were expecting God to send a mighty warrior to defeat Caesar, someone who was wealthy and strong, who lived in a palace. But then the angel comes and makes the announcement to the shepherds and the angel says to them, this will be a sign to you. You will find not a warrior leading an army, but a baby. And not even a baby in a palace wrapped in silk. You're going to find a baby, the angel says, wrapped in cloths, in rags, lying not in a crib, but in a manger, in a feeding trough for animals. What a surprise, this Savior. That takes us to the third word that I want to unwrap in verse 11, the word born. Unto you, a Savior has been born. And we need to understand, Jesus was really, truly born. He was a real baby. He was God here on earth, but God didn't like beam him down from a spaceship, okay? He was born like any other baby. It was a messy birth, just like any other birth. He was a real human baby. And I think a lot of times we have difficulty trying to wrap our minds around this. We, we, we try to soften the reality of it. I mean, maybe he wasn't totally like a, a, a real baby. We, we sing songs, you know, way in a manger, little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. I mean, anybody here ever have a baby that never cried at all? That's not a real baby, right? Jesus was totally dependent on his mom. He wasn't some different kind of baby. And so we sometimes think, well, maybe he had some superpowers. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he talked on the Christmas, the first Christmas night there in the manger. You remember the E-Trade babies in the commercials from a few years ago that could talk? Maybe Jesus said, hey, wise men, welcome. Shepherds, have a seat. Uh, I welcome you to my birth. Um, if you would be so kind and help me set up, I can't quite do that yet. I can talk, but can't sit up. No, Jesus was a real human baby. Jesus did not glow in the dark like a lot of our pictures, you know, depict him. The angel didn't say, this will be a sign for you, a glowing baby. He was a real baby. He was really born. He was a totally normal newborn, dependent on his mother for every one of his needs. Now, why is that important? What does it show us? Well, it shows us that God does not demand that we come up to him. It shows us that God loves us so much, he comes down to us. And he doesn't come halfway and we have to meet him halfway. He comes all the way down to us. And this is the difference between the message of Jesus and, and all man-made religion. Human religion, every one of them always basically say in one way or another, you do these things, and if you do them enough, and if you do them right, then you will ascend eventually to God. But Jesus says, no, I am God, and I have come down to you to do for you what you could never do for yourself. 
I want to make sure you don't miss that the angels say, this Savior is Christ the Lord. There's three titles there, and all three are important. He is Christ, he is the Lord, he is the Savior. By calling him Christ, the angel is saying that he is the promised Messiah that we've all been waiting for. By calling him Lord, the angel is saying that he is divine, he is God. And by calling him Savior, he is saying that Jesus is the one that we need. If you don't hear anything else tonight, I hope you'll hear this especially if you have never encountered Jesus in a personal way. Only Jesus can fulfill and satisfy your deepest desires and longings. Only Jesus, no one else. And that is the heart of Christmas. Jesus is the gift of Christmas, God's gift of love to us. And that's the surprise. That's the surprise gift of Christmas, this message that God sent through the angels to the shepherds and that he is sending to you, to me, unto you, a savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord, unto you, unto you. Before we close, I'm gonna ask you a very important question. Have you received this gift of Jesus, this gift of salvation? If you have not yet received this gift, then I want you to know that Jesus, who is the Lord today, risen from the dead, reigning on high forever with his Father, Jesus the Lord, calls you to repent, to repent of your sins, to turn from that darkness, to turn to him in faith and trust to trust him with your life and trust him with your eternity. And the Bible says when you do that Jesus, born as a baby, now risen on high as the reigning Lord, he will forgive you and he will save you because he's the savior. In a few moments, in our candle lighting, we're gonna celebrate the, the light of Jesus. Jesus who lights our darkness by coming into each willing heart and going across and around this world, lighting our world one heart at a time. And so I just close by asking you, will you let him light your heart? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God, we thank you for sending the message through the angels to the shepherds that the Savior has been born. And on this Christmas Eve, again, we give you thanks for coming for us, no matter who we are, where we are, or what we've done. Lord, we, we marvel that your son has come as a real human baby, that he came all the way down from heaven to us. And Lord, we thank you that this baby grew to be a man and who died on the cross for our sins and who rose again to defeat sin and death so that we could know eternal life. Lord, we thank you for your grace we thank you for your love. And our prayer is, Lord, that each one of us would receive the light of Christ as we place our trust in Jesus, the one born on Christmas Day. All God's people together say,